morning's readings from Revelations 2 verses 8 to 11. To the church in Smyrna. To the angel of the church in Smyrna write. These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are not rich, yet you are rich. I know about yours the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put you put you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Whoever hears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm, I'm Rob. I'm one of the retired clergy who's part of the church here. Uh, the other week, if you, you were here, in her sermon, my lovely wife, Chris, drew attention to the stained glass windows over there, and she mentioned Elizabeth Fry and William Wilberforce. Well, today I'm going to mention two of the other characters that are in the stained glass windows over there. When David Livingston, that's he's right at the back there over the coffee bar, when David Livingston, who was a famous missionary, was working in Africa, a group of friends in England wrote to him, we want to send you more men, they said. Have you found a good road? And David Livingston replied, I don't want those who will only come if there's a good road. I want those who will come if there's no road at all. No road at all. Christian life is seldom straightforward or easy. Now, the sermon I'm going to do this morning is a sort of church I spy, because the text of my sermon, the words we've just heard read from the book of Revelation, they're written on the wall behind me. Like me, you've probably seen that every time you've been in church, and you've never noticed it. Jesus said, Be thou faithful unto death and I will give thee a crown of life. We're thinking today about the persecuted church, Christians who are persecuted for their faith. Do you know this is an incredibly appropriate topic because this is, and we are, the Church of the Martyrs. That's our branding and our logo. The word martyr is a slightly odd word, I think. The other week I heard Burton remind us that in the original Greek language, martyr meant someone who was a witness, someone who would speak and show Jesus in their life. But today, in ordinary language, uh, that's not what a martyr is. What is a martyr in ordinary language? A martyr is someone who risks or gives their life for a cause. Usually that's a religious reason, but, but it doesn't have to be, does it? 
A martyr is someone who makes an extreme sacrifice for their cause. That's someone with a suicide vest. Or a martyr can be completely trivial. We would say she's a martyr to her lumbago. Means that you never hear the end of it. How old is this church? Do you know? This church, oh, thank you, Lorraine. Uh, this church, in, no points, but this church is more or less 133 years old. A wealthy family gave most of the money to build the church. Uh, they also owned the land that was then used to build the streets nearby. Do you know the names of those local streets? Some of you live there. What have we got? We've got Cranmer Street, Tyndale, Ridley, Shaftesbury Road, Livingston Street. The streets and the church here were named by that family after people who gave their life for others, for the cause of God and the cause of good. Their name was the Harris family, uh, church I spy again. All that bit in the corner over there, all that wood stuff, is a memorial to that family and to their generosity. I think that family were intrigued by people and what they could do when they decided to go all out for Jesus. So today we are thinking about martyrs and those who are persecuted for their faith. In the reading we heard just a few minutes ago, um, St John said, do not be afraid for what you are about to suffer. For the people in Smyrna, that's the name of the town that the, the, the letter was being written to, for the people in Smyrna, persecution and even martyrdom are not unexpected or unlikely. Suffering because they are Christians was how it was going to be, what they could expect. Think about it. When Jesus came into this world, Jesus who was the truest love and the truest light, what happened? Some welcomed him, some rejected him. He ended up nailed to a cross. And the light and love of Jesus are shown in this world now. It still doesn't get always a big welcome. The light and love of Jesus now will surprise people. It'll catch them out. It'll show them up. They'll find it irritating or uncomfortable or just plain peculiar. The darkness doesn't always like the light. I'm going to look at two aspects of this in this sermon. Uh, I'm going to look at, firstly, Christians who are persecuted around the world. And then I'm going to look at Christian persecution and me. So around the world we live in, Persecution and being harassed for your faith is a reality. It's a reality for all faiths. This isn't just a Christian thing. In more than, it's reckoned in more than three quarters of the countries of this world, 
Christians are persecuted or harassed for their faith. Here's an image of the countries which, where this mainly is going on, where you can be persecuted or harassed because you are a Christian. Uh, it would be a similar map, actually, if it was a map of where Muslims are persecuted or harassed for their faith. So let's not get, kind of get too much off on this just being a Christian thing. On the other hand, according to Open Doors, one in seven, one in seven Christians around the world are persecuted for their faith. I'm going to say on the other hand again, in some countries it's Christians who are responsible for persecuting others of different faiths. Christians around the world are both victim and persecutor when we look at this subject. But nevertheless, it's Christians who are more likely than any other faith to be persecuted for what they believe. You'll know this is sometimes quite complicated. Being a Christian is tied up with your lifestyle, your caste, your politics, your culture, your race. There's more going on here than just simply being persecuted for Jesus. But nevertheless, often around our world, Christians who are living faithfully for Jesus and daring to be different for Jesus are persecuted for what they believe. Many of you here today are from different parts of the world. And many of you may know about this from personal experience. I'd like to hear more about that, if you're happy to share it. Or maybe this is a reality for you in this country. If you're a younger person and you're at school, it's almost impossible to hold out as a Christian. It's so much easier just to hide away and let it slip and not make a fuss. Or at work or in your family, it's so easy not to do what Jesus would have done. It's easier to cooperate or collude and not stand out. If you choose to do what is right, if you choose to do what Jesus would have done as best as you can reckon, then quite quickly you will get into an uncomfortable place. So let me now look at what that might mean for me. Um, over here, another of the ice spy windows, is uh, William Tyndale. William Tyndale, um, 500 years ago, was martyred for heresy in England. Uh, he was strangled and then burnt at the stake. His heresy was that he wanted to reform the narrowness of the Catholic Church at the time. And he wanted people to be able to read the Bible in English rather than have it through the filters of, of a priest reading Latin. He was asked if he was surprised by the opposition he faced. And this is what he replied. He said, I never expected anything else. William Tyndale recognised 
what we heard earlier in our reading. Suffering and persecution is what happens when the light of Jesus encounters the darkness of this world. There's absolutely no way in which Christians should go and try and seek out to be persecuted. That does no good to anyone. You could imagine that there are some Christians, I wouldn't like to name names, who are persecuted because, quite frankly, they are so annoying or bonkers that it's almost inevitable that it's going to happen. You can understand that there's quite a fine line between being crazy for Jesus and just being plain crazy. But the Bible is also clear. Jesus said, if you want to be my follower, what does that involve? If you want to be my follower, that involves taking up your cross every day and following him. If you decide to put God first, then at some point, and perhaps quite quickly, you will come into conflict with those around you for whom the compassion of God or the truth of God is the last thing they want. If you do choose to go the way of Jesus, then you will find quite quickly that you are indeed taking up a cross. It will be difficult and even painful. Sometimes that's because you just know you have to stand up for what you know is true or right, or you have to stand alongside someone who's been got at, and that's not right. Sometimes it's, you'll find it's because you come across as just weird or weak, because you go on loving someone when common sense says you give up on them or you forgive them, and that's just crazy. Or sometimes in this Western world where everyone has their own truths and nobody is allowed to talk about truth with a capital T, sometimes it's because you will just gently keep reminding people that you know that Jesus is the one from God and he is the way, the truth and the life. If you dare to do that, you'll get into a lot of hot water. I don't know whether the uh, text at the front of church uh, is uh, super encouraging or super discouraging. Uh, I think for me it's super encouraging. The text says, stick with it, Robert, and dare to live dangerously for Jesus because beyond this life is going to be astonishing. And I find it super discouraging because... If I look inside me, I know I am a messy and rather pathetic Christian. There's so much hypocrisy and inconsistency in my life. I'm just not sure I'm ever going to make it. How could I possibly ever deserve a crown of life? Well, you know what the good news is if you've been coming to this church long enough. The good news for you and the good news for me, Robert Freeman, is no one, no one gets into heaven because of what they have done or because of what they have not done. 
you and I will only get to heaven because of what Jesus has done. That's the good news of our Christian faith in a nutshell. It's not about me being super religious. It's about Jesus. It's not what I've done. It's what Jesus did for me and for this world. So that's us then, and I'm nearly finished. Uh, this, this is our, our brand. This is our corporate identity. We are the church of the martyrs, of the persecuted. In many ways, don't you think it's the weird, a weird name for a church? People who get killed for their faith. What a thing to remember and celebrate. Except also, at the same time, I think, what are beautiful, brave, scary, ridiculous, wonderful name for a church. We remember we are Christians who live and die for our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're about. You and I are messy, odd and flaky Christians. Well, I can only speak for myself. You and I are trying to work out what it means to live for Jesus and to take risks for Jesus. And usually we don't get it right. And sometimes we kind of do. You and I, as uh, Chris pointed out the other week, are the people of this text. Chris drew attention to these saints in the windows over here, and, well, I'm not quoting her. Uh, She pointed out how you and I are very, very unlikely to ever be in a stained glass window. I mean, I suppose it's conceivably possible, but I'm misunderstanding the people in front of me and myself if that's going to happen. We're never going to be one of them. We're going to be like the stained glass up the top, above the text in this church, which is wonderful. At the end of the service, come and have a close look at it, because you'll see nothing at all. It's bits and pieces. It's damaged glass. Someone said it's the glass they got from a bombed church. I don't think it's that. I just think it's bits and bits and bobs. There's a pattern here. There's nothing there at all. We are like that stained glass, a mess, a muddle, a confusion. And yet the wonderful thing is that the light of Jesus still shines through us, through me and you. Bizarrely then, we are the church of the martyrs. We are the church of those who choose to live and even to die for Jesus Christ. We seek in God's grace and mercy, not in our own, in God's grace and mercy, to be those who are faithful unto death, knowing that God our Father will give us a crown of life. Amen.